0: Hello, and welcome to Resident Advisors Exchange. I'm RA senior producer, Chloe Lula. Thanks for tuning in. On this week's episode, I talked to Tzu Sing. Tzu Singh is currently splitting his time between Taipei and Shanghai, but he spent a significant amount of time in the US as a young adult and a university student. It was only after moving back to China in his early 20s and taking a six year long break from production that he refined his sound and came back to his music career in full force, releasing a string of EPs on the label, Lies. His first full length, Invincible East, which came out on the New York label in 2017, was his first exploration into more thematically loaded work that interrogated masculinity and power.
1: A lot of people misinterpret the the that record that title, especially Chinese people, because it's Dongfang Bai, which means "Invincible East." With this, um, I, w- I kind of wanted to to get the point across even more, like it's about like kind of emasculating yourself, right? I guess it's also like me dealing with my own like how to be like um, how 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 to be like a progressive man in this in this era right and how to deal with these emotions and these um yeah
0: his second lp green hat just came out on pan last month and it builds on these tropes by examining confucian values around familial obligation the patriarchy and how to be a quote progressive man in Tsing's words in 2023 the music itself is full of angst and fear and it's his most intense output as an artist yet In our conversation, we also discussed differences between European and Chinese club cultures, his approach to in-the-box production, and his move towards a sound that is less indebted to one scene and that more fully embraces his eclectic taste and love of many genres. Our conversation was recorded live at Rewire Festival in The Hague, where Tsu Sing played a DJ set. It also coincides with our cover story on Bill Cooligus and Pan, so be sure to check the full feature out on our website and stay tuned for another Pan-focused exchange episode next week. Okay, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy. Hello. Uh, Welcome to this live edition of the RA Exchange at Rewire Festival. My name is Chloe Lula. I am Resident Advisors Senior Producer. Today I'm joined by none other than Chu Sheng, uh, DJ and producer based between Shanghai and Taipei. As a selector, his sets mix streamlined techno and non-Western pop, And as a producer, he makes electronica that bridges EBM, Industrial, Contemporary Club. Um, He's released a string of EPs on the New York label Lies, where his first album, Invincible East, came out in 2017, as well as singles and short players on City Tracks and Bedouin Records. His second full-length, Green Hat, just came out on Pan on March 23rd, and it's great. So I'm looking forward to talking about that. Um, And thank you so much for being here.
1: It's a pleasure. Yeah.
0: So, how are you doing today? Since you just played very late last night, <laughs>
1: uh, I'm a little tired, but I'm good. You know, it was a good set, so like relieved.
0: What exactly were you playing? Because uh, it seems like you have moved away from playing more straight-ahead sets um, to playing extremely eclectic mixes that are both they're they're fun and they're subversive. They mix techno with pop and like reggaeton and corn um, so i'm curious, <laughs> <laughs> curious what your selections were like
1: uh it's exactly what you just described yes <laughs> uh you know it's i you know like cuz okay so back in the day you would go to a record store and you would like dig through the crates right it would be like the house crate or the techno crate and like i think that's how you would like pick music but now I think you just kind of like, you're like on IG, you're like clicking through. Oh, it's like, oh, this sounds interesting. You don't even know what you're clicking into, like genre. You're not thinking about genre, right? You are thinking, oh, this sounds cool. This sounds interesting. And then you're like, oh, yeah, I'll download that. Or you're on Bandcamp and you, you already follow all these, um, these labels, right? And then you just see like, oh, this is a new release, this new release. So I'm not even thinking about genre. It's just, this sounds interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah
0: it's interesting though because i first came to know you when you were releasing on lies and i always thought of you as being more of like an industrial ebm artist and it seems like you've like really broken out of that over the last couple years last few years
1: yeah I, i would say last six seven years but even when i was releasing on lies um when i dj'd uh it was a lot of like actually a lot of very den hog inspired stuff uh bunker uh ifm i was listening to a lot of that stuff so i would mix like ebm with italo and new beat old house this kind of stuff so Yeah.
0: yeah you play a lot of asian pop tracks in your sets, or some Asian pop. Do you feel like they're received differently in different contexts, like when you play them in Asia versus playing them at a festival like Rewire?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, uh, obviously they, the say the kids in Taiwan would know, like, oh, this is like maybe that pop track and here's the edit, you know, this is the edit, or they'll know why the edit is like funny. Mm. Or, uh, But, uh, so I maybe I wouldn't play more of the meme tracks here i play more of the oh this is a nice song but it's, it happens to be a chinese song you know because a lot of times i the way i listen to music i don't even really <clears throat> process lyrics i almost can't hear it uh it's like a nice song so it almost doesn't matter what what language it is because i can't can't hear the lyrics anyways
0: i want to Kind of return to your roots um, because right. you've moved around quite a bit in your life. You were born in Malaysia. You've lived in San Diego as a teenager and then Chicago for undergrad as a young adult. And now you split your time between Taipei and Shanghai. Right. Um, and so much of your music is about dislocation and a sense of liminality that comes from existing between cultures. Yeah. Could you attribute a lot of your eclectic taste to having lived in all of these? places
1: yeah maybe um I think I never felt like a part of a scene you know I was like I always as a kid I would read about like uh like uh, Americans or Europeans talk about like their location and their sound you know I mean I was I was mostly growing up in Taichung Taiwan there was no like electronic music scene there was no sound you know so I, I didn't represent a sound um and so uh, it was all like foreign culture. So it was very easy for me to just, okay, today I'll check out like an in- indie rock band, tomorrow it will be this, you know, the next day it'd be that. I didn't, I would, you know what I mean? There, there wasn't a, a scene, you know? But, and, and also then, then being able to move to all these places. And this was before like music was really online. Um, and so being able to travel to the States to buy CDs was like a big thing. To, to actually even get the music itself. Mm-hmm. So yeah.
0: So since there wasn't really the infrastructure in place in Asia when you were growing up for electronic music, how were you first turned on to it?
1: Um, I was going to an international school in Taichung, Taiwan. And uh, there's uh, there uh, there this guy that, that uh, was like a few years older than me. Uh, his sister was a raver in the States. So he had these CDs, and then uh, when he came to our school, he like uh, he showed me some some what was called underground techno, you know. So
0: I read in an interview that you gave with RBMA that uh, one of the first songs you heard was uh, Josh Wink's
1: Higher State of Consciousness. Yeah, yeah, that blew me away. (laughs) Track like blew me away.
0: And I think. To a lot of people, that would be considered kind of cheesy or there'd be a stigma attached to it. And I wonder if listening to it, far removed from its native context, um, let you approach the music with, uh, I don't know, kind of uh, an open mind that maybe you wouldn't have been able to had you listened to it, had, like growing up in, in the U.S.
1: Yeah, I mean, I didn't know what the context was, you know, it was, it was all like new to me. Um, uh yeah, I mean, I think that was how I was approaching all this music from the States.
0: You were in Chicago until you were what, like early until 20s? Until 2006,
1: Okay. 2005, 2006.
0: So considering you're then, like you, you had started emerging as an electronic music artist and a DJ, um, how... First of all, what propelled your decision to move back to Asia and how did it feel at the time to move back and want to pursue music, um, leaving this nightlife capital like Chicago?
1: So I actually, I I moved back to China and I started a a business and then around um, 2011, it was a bit more stable than I could like then pursue this music stuff.
0: How do you feel that the underground music scenes in Asia and the US differ? Um, I know you said in the same interview with RBMA that um, a lot of underground idol worshipping in Asia happens that you don't really see in the U.S., which I think okay. surprises me quite a bit. Okay,
1: um, what I meant by that is to say that I think, like, coming from Asia at the time when there weren't, like, these electronic music uh, musicians, like, not many, you know, there's, like, especially in Taiwan at the time, there's just Lin Chiang, you know you really like idolize these people. But then when I went to the States, you know, know, there's like amazing producers like everywhere, right? Especially Chicago. And so it was just like, oh, like, they're just like normal people, you know? Whereas I think in Taiwan at the time, um, it felt like something that was unobtainable. Like, uh, it was like, uh, yeah.
0: Since you're mostly spending your time in Asia now, do you... Do you find that interest in underground music has grown? It seems from the outside, like it's very saturated with expats and not so much with locals, but um, you would have more insight.
1: Well, I mean, it depends where you are in in Asia Mm -hmm. and what clubs you're going to in Asia. The clubs I generally hang out at in in say uh, Shanghai and Taipei um, are actually more Chinese kids actually. Um, they're not as uh, like straightforward house and techno clubs. Those are usually more expats. When I was younger, I didn't think this scene, this kind of music would like kind of grow into this level in Asia, even even in Asia right now. I mean, it's like, it's obviously nothing, uh, the scale is not comparable to Europe in, in any sense, right? But it's already like bigger than I thought it would be. So yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm really curious, you know, we before we started the exchange, I was saying that it's been quite a long time since I've been to China. It was like about 16 years ago. But I imagine that because it's not directly plugged into like the Western club industrial complex, there's um, maybe more... I don't know, more of a spirit of experimentation or like more of a like an openness for innovation that might not exist if you were living in like a cultural capital like Berlin or London.
1: Well, that that's that's actually it goes back to what we were talking about. Um uh not having that like that that established culture of like, you know, uh of techno in-house. Um there's some downsides to it for sure. But um it also opens people up because you know they don't have this like kind of baggage to to, to hold them back. You know, mm-hmm. um, the downside of it is that maybe sometimes the technical skill is like not there yet. You know, um, but uh, it opens it, it opens up you know some possibilities for sure. Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: So when you moved back to Asia uh, after leaving Chicago. Um, At what point did you decide that you wanted to really start seriously pursuing music again? I know that you started throwing a party at Shelter, or the Shelter, which is now closed.
1: Yeah, it was after my business became more established and I felt like, okay, cool. You know, like the thing about getting back into the the music scene or this this thing is uh, I think when you take when you, when you have like five, six, seven years away from this thing you really want to do and then you're still thinking about it all the time, mm. um, then you know you really want it, right? And, um, and I think like getting back into this later, you also have a clearer vision of like what you want to make and like how, you know, your style or your aesthetic, you know, it's like more fully formed.
0: So you feel that that time off really... Allowed all of your influences to like to marinate and then yes. emerge as yeah. the project that you're doing right Yeah, I was okay. actually
1: talking to uh, Ancient Me- Methods, okay. um, uh, I think at some point. And then he was saying, like, how when he was younger, he was like a resident at, Tr- at Trezor. And he was like, you know, he had all this time, he didn't really make any music. And then when he started getting like a real, real job, like, and he only had like six hours a month to make music, then that's when he like, then that's where all his tracks start coming out. You know, it's like
0: yeah, that's interesting because you have yeah. to be more selective with your time, time. I guess, and how you. And also, excited. you know,
1: you're like you realize that like okay, maybe you know when you hit your thirties, you're like okay, you don't have forever, right?
0: So. Staying on this thread of cultural dichotomies, um, I wanna move on to your album, Green yeah. Hat, which yeah. just came out hot off the press. Um, so the LP builds off of your first long player, Invincible East, um, by investigating Chinese mores around masculinity and power. Um, the symbol of the green hat dates to the Tang dynasty. And in Chinese popular culture, it's a symbol of being a cuckold. Um, or a man whose wife is unfaithful to him. Um, how and why did you choose this as the thematic centerpiece of the LP?
1: Uh, okay, so I, when I was like a kid, my, my brother, he, he he bought this, uh, like the skateboarding cap. And uh, it was like a, like, it was like a you know American brand. And it had a green bill, right? This part up here. He brought it home. He was and my dad saw it. And my dad like freaked out. He was like, take that shit off your head. And I was just like, wait, what's going on? You know? Um, and I, that really like struck me. I was like, wait, what, 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 what does that mean? You know, uh, I, I, that kind of like anger, like the shock my dad had in his face, that was, uh, that was, very, that was very interesting to me. And, um, and um, basically my, my music is a lot of, uh, deals with a lot of anxiety and, uh, and anger. And um, I feel like a lot of uh, what is normally associated with this kind of music, uh, kind of like say like an Iron Maiden graphic or you know, like some like bloody, gory, it's not really, it doesn't really have, it doesn't give me these kind of like uh, emotions anymore, right? It's like kind of played out, right? So I, I was interested in using something that actually invokes like real, real fear. You know, um Yeah, yeah. I can
0: I can hear that in the music. I mean, compared to the EPs that you were putting out on Lies, um, and then your last LP, this is it's a really intense collection of tracks. Right. There's a lot of like sub bass, which I feel like that also evokes feelings of like danger. Yeah. The the feelings of anxiety that you wanted to evoke, is it um about I guess like like more of like a personal feeling or more of like a a cultural commentary about um
1: um well, I guess it's also like uh like uh i think a lot of i guess it's also like me dealing with my own like how to be like um how 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 to be like a progressive man in this in this era right and how to deal with these emotions and these. Um
0: yeah. So art and aesthetics seem to play a strong role in your work. Um oh. I think. Yeah. Um so on Invincible East, the cover depicts Dongfang Bubai. Bu Bai. Uh,
1: right. Dongfang Bu Bai. Sorry, right. you're gonna no, have to cool. excuse
0: my pronunciation. Okay. Uh so she's a character in Jin Yong's novel The Smiling Proud Wanderer. Yes. Uh which is a tale of a man who must sacrifice his masculinity by castrating himself. And on Green Hat, you put.
1: Well, uh, well, um, sacrifice, castrates himself to become then the strongest person. Like, that's, there's something really badass about that, right? Yeah. That's that's sick, right?
0: Yeah. Um, And on Green Hat, you kind of carry that theme through. Correct. um, And uh, except you put yourself on the cover. So on the left side, it's you bleeding from the back of the head. On the right side, you're pouring water over your head with the green hat yeah. in an act that kind of looks like you're you're baptizing yourself. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about this okay. visual?
1: Well, Dongfang Booba, I actually used um that cover is uh, a still from a movie actually uh and I did this because you know it's it's on lies. I thought it was just like uh it's like a more of an underground label and I didn't think like you know uh that many people would see it you know that's why i just straight up like lifted like an image from a movie um <clears throat> um but um but also that a lot of people misinterpret the the that record that title especially chinese people because it's dongfangbu bai which means invincible east which comes off as this like nationalistic like thing, which wasn't my intent, you know? It was as actually about the character. The character's name is, is Invincible East, but I'm not saying the East is invincible, I'm saying like that character is interesting, right? Um, and so with this, um, I, w- I kind of wanted to, to get the point across even more like it's about like kind of emasculating yourself, right? Um, and you know, then the cover displays this yeah
0: I'm curious if the visual references uh, from the movie and also the reference to the green hat are just like immediately recognizable to your audience in in China.
1: Sure, yeah, so, like, so those yeah, are, like, yeah. ubiquitous. yeah I uh, mean I mean if if uh, in China, you can't really buy green hats in China like it's it's a thing like you can't really buy green hats. Like, we had to go online to search for a while to find the green hat for the photo shoot.
0: That's really interesting. Yeah. (laughs) So I want to talk also about just the, the way that you put the music together. You use some sampling... You, you carry over a lot of like the string and percussion sounds that right. we hear yeah. in your in your first LP. Um, how do you go about actually generating those sounds? Are you, um, it, it seems like a lot of them are like zithers or um, I don't know if you're using samples or actually recording instruments or um, what is your production process like?
1: Um, those are, uh, uh, New Contact have like these like, uh, like really well sampled um, String instruments, where you you know you, you 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 can play it, and it's like it's just really well sampled. Um, and I kind of it's a it's a long uh, it's a lot of time, like slowly sitting there going through all these samples, piecing things together. Um, yeah.
0: So you're mostly working in the box.
1: In the box, but I use a lot of. Uh, I don't. Are we gonna get nerdy? We can, I mean, we I, mean I use a lot of like hardware saturation and distortion. I have a few um, really strange sounding synths, like S1000, it's a, it's a tube, tube synth that's like super not stable. Uh, so it sounds different every time you turn it on. Uh, those things, I, I use uh, hardware, um, but it needs to sound really unique. It's like the only reason why I would, you know it's a pain to use hardware, right? Um, but mostly in the box, yeah.
0: I really feel on this LP like it's, you can hear all of your influences coming together. Like it sounds obviously like you, like it, the sound carries over from the first LP, right. um, even though that was more really indebted to like industrial music. Um, here they're yeah. more kind of trappy influences, but the sonic palette is very cohesive, I think. Thank you. Um, And it also, I could, see how that mirrors like what you're playing in your sets um right. like it all seems <clears throat> to thread together
1: quite a bit. yeah no like this time i really felt like <clears throat> i've like kind of established myself enough where i'm just like dude fuck it i just want to do me you know like i felt i felt really free mm-hmm. yeah this is like exactly what i wanted to make before i was still a bit insecure about it you know uh i still felt like i f- had to like fit into a little bit of a, a more established form this time i'm just like yeah, let's yeah. go.
0: No, that's great. Yeah. Um, so there are a lot of samples that figure into your work, like vocal samples. Um, so on the opening track, yeah. we hear a text-to-voice sample um, of this. It's a woman's voice explaining a little bit what what the green hat is. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um,
0: and then we also hear a sample of Daniel Plainview, who's a character from the movie There Will Be Blood. Yes. And in that movie, his character represents the greed that accompanies capitalist extraction and yeah. like toxic masculinity. How did you decide on using these samples and where did you source the first one oh, the
1: So what was interesting about the opening thing is like, it's a funny story from New York Times uh, about a, a politician that went to, to China um, to uh, do some like, this is when relations were a bit better, to do some PR work and he had like a bunch of green hats to give as gifts and no one wanted it, you know? Um, but no, but what's interesting about that was that uh, I was using uh, like my Mac to read some Chinese text and when you get the Chinese voice to read English, it would read it in uh, English with a Chinese accent. So I've, I actually, yeah, I thought that was really weird and interesting, so actually, that, yeah, that voice is that. Um, uh, I, so I recorded it from my computer, and there will be blood samples. Actually, just a conversation with a friend one night. We were talking about this movie, and he was like, hey, "Do you remember the sample?" And he was like, uh, "My my friend Kim actually," and he, yeah, it just it just came out of a conversation, like, you know, a night of drinking and talking about like this movie. Yeah.
0: So the majority of your work has come out on lies, or at least your true of, L, uh, of EPs and your last LP, what preempted your decision to release it on pan for your album?
1: Actually it was around like 2017, 2018, when I started like changing the way I was DJing and the stuff I was playing. And um, you know, there would be like promoters and some people that would give me like a hard time about it. Like, what, what are you doing? Why are you playing like this? And so I was like, feeling a bit insecure at that time. And, I, and then it was like, this one time at Unsound after I played my set, and I think I, the crowd reaction was definitely mixed. I could tell. I actually tell.
0: think that I was at this. Yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. <laughs> and then after that, I was like, then Bill would like came up to me and he was like, dude, that was like crazy. He was like super, like he, he really got what I was trying to do, you know? And I was like, okay. So at that point we started talking more and uh, felt like he understood what I was trying to do, so.
0: Because you you also did a split EP with Mesh yes. on Pan. Yes.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. To me, your your focus on artwork and aesthetics also really ties into the ethos of the of the Pan project yeah. because yeah. everything that Bill puts out is like this piece of art, um, and he pays a lot of attention to aesthetics in a way that I, I think a lot of labels are not doing. So you also started your own label. Yeah. Uh, sea Cucumber. What can you tell me about that?
1: Um. It. It, it it actually came out because um uh, I have these friends Suda and mm uh, they started her records uh, I think in like the mid 2010s uh, putting out music that I was like that, that inspired me in a big way and uh, they had this new project called async figure and they couldn't uh, there wasn't a label that they felt was suitable and I was playing a lot of these tracks out and the the reaction always was really big you know uh and so I felt like like people have to hear this music. So I felt compelled to start a, um, this li- li- label. Yeah. Okay.
0: Are you planning to release on it yourself?
1: Uh, maybe, yeah, maybe. Okay. I, I, I mean, <laughs> I haven't been making that much new music, so we'll see.
0: Okay, okay. You're on a tour right now.
1: Just uh, have a few dates in Paris uh, and Lyon, uh, Nusenois, is a, a festival and then doing uh primavera in Spain. So a few of those and then and August I guess techmental so I'll be back here again.
0: Okay. Are you you don't play live, do you or
1: I don't. Okay. I don't. Okay. I would I, I find it really hard to translate like
0: yeah.
1: production into a live
0: Yeah. Setting, yeah. What else are you working on right now?
1: Um, I am just sorting out some releases for the label, um, for C Cucumber and, um,
0: uh, Yeah, I listened to the compilation that just came oh, out. That was cool. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah was, uh,
1: all friends in Taipei.
0: Okay. Yeah, the sound, uh, it's very much related to your sound. I can like hear oh, okay. that it's your curation. <laughs> cool. Well, I think we have a little bit of time for questions if anybody has anything they want to ask. Hello?
2: So last night, hearing OSHIAC and then you and then Slickback as well, like it really brings me back to Club Ball in Shanghai and like made me very home- homesick because I haven't been home for three years as well. Um, oh my God, Because yeah. of restrictions, yeah. um, and I've read a lot how during those three four years, um, it it was a blessing. What's the word? Blessing and a curse in disguise for Chinese artists. How they got to really play in china whereas like western artists couldn't come in right right yeah. um how do you see that impacting the future of of our scene back home actually i don't
1: think it was that good of a thing to be honest i mean it's good that <clears throat> china had like a lot of uh, uh it dealt with covid very well the first few years right so people, this thing could could still go on, but I think it's really important to have like cultural exchange and like artists coming from Europe, the U.S. I think it really informs people there, actually.
0: The question is, uh, just for those of you who couldn't hear it, (laughs) um, what the next stages of uh, the Chinese scene will be?
1: I think, oh, this is really tricky. This is super tricky, my God. I think social media is having more of an impact on like electronic music scene um, and maybe not in the most positive way. Um, And I think that actually is impacting the China scene or the global scene more more than anything else. Yeah, and I can't say it's, I feel like people look at music more than they listen to music. If you know what I mean.
3: <laughs> yes. Hello. So, as someone who loves to listen to music, I have a very simple question. I'm just wondering if there are any of your sets that really stand out to you and why,
1: like my sets that yeah, stand out that, to like, me. Yeah,
3: like you really enjoyed playing, and for what? For what? Re- like what? What stood out? Wow. Well, that's like if you look back. Oh, I mean, you played a lot, but I mean, if you have a specific set that you really...
1: Actually, I, sometimes I go back and listen to my old mixes, uh, and I'm like, wow, I kind of, you forget about that person, you know, a little yeah. bit. I, I think my first mix on Lies, I quite dig it, you know. Uh, should, should check it out, yeah.
3: Yeah, but any There's, of your uh, shows?
1: Th- this is, I can't, this, I, can't, no, it's... No, I can't, I can't talk about it. That's weird. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I was really good there. That's just, <laughs> no.
3: I personally, for me, your okay. set at Tech Mantle Selectors 2019 really stood out to me. Oh, thank you. Yeah, especially when you uh, played the track Impact Mantra.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. That's uh, that's my edit. Yeah. Yeah,
3: and I finally found it online. So uh, okay. And that like during COVID like. My, my ex and I used to like dance to this track oh, okay. in a room, like the whole set that was so, so, so good. Like the whole storytelling. Um, so yeah, I mean, actually I'm gonna play Cabinet myself this year, and okay. I'm gonna play that track as a homage to this moment.
1: Oh, thank you. So
3: just wanted to tell you that. So yeah, I was curious what you liked about your own sets.
4: Uh, thanks for the set last night, it was oh, really me. great. Thank I you. like that you played the Oceanic and the Geetje Bijma track. I like the, Oce- you played the Oceanic track?
1: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that
4: was cool. <laughs> oh, cool. Uh, my question was about uh, something you said earlier about uh, the time you took off from music. Yeah. Like five or six years. Yeah. And that, that really contributed to you knowing like what you wanted to focus on in your music, what that's you right. wanted to say. I was wondering if you like could elaborate on that a bit more. Yeah, I was uh,
1: I was in an industrial zone in China uh, doing business, and it uh, during that time I would like I would just like bike to work every day and just like blast music on my headphones, and, uh, and I was listening to a lot of uh, I, I don't know if you guys are familiar with JTC 2AM FM. Uh, just a lot of his music and it really got me through this like time of like living in this in this place and i was like okay and and uh and uh it like it spoke to me so strongly and i think that was just so important in like forming my my aesthetic and knowing really like like what i'm about you know
4: yeah yeah so it was more like listening to music that informed what you wanted to say more so than making it no, absolutely. I, I, I believe um, I believe you have to
1: listen to a lot of music to to know who you are. Actually, like uh, uh, like the self isn't something you you look inside to find. You know, it's it's like seeing seeing and seeing the world, seeing things, and then knowing what uh, connects with you, what you're in love with, and that like lets you know who you are, right?
4: I have one more question, if that's sure. cool. yeah. <laughs> I really like in your records that they're like so distorted and fucked up, but at the same time, they're like really clear and like punchy. Thank you. Um, yes, I spent so much time yeah, doing but, this. Yes. <laughs> but totally, how, like, totally. How? Like how? Because I love distortion, but it's always like... <laughs> exactly. Yes,
1: yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, how? Okay.
4: Layer it
1: with a clean sub. Okay, so distort the hell out of the top and layer it with a clean thing or or mix. Wow, this is like really techno Mix the uh, dry and the wet.
4: All right, so in parallel? Yeah. Okay. Totally. Again, okay, thanks.
5: I was wondering if uh, in your sets, if there's also a storytelling as well as in your production, because you can, what, personally, I always felt you wanted to tell something not something certain but there was always a little bit of your life story inside your sets and obviously in your ep there's another story of yours also with the green hat that you just explained why
1: uh yeah i I mean i think this thing comes out naturally i don't think about it so much um but yeah intuition yeah and and also it's i think DJing is really just you listening to music, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just, you You. Do you, you, you know what I mean? It's just you're listening to music and it's how you would like to listen to music, basically. Mm-hmm. So that's all DJing is.
5: But sometimes one has like uh, these influence from you, for example, traveling to whatever, from the US to back to Asia or from Asia to suddenly back to Berlin from one big city to another big city. And then this also naturally uh, influenced you in your sets. Maybe.
1: (laughs) Maybe. no, Hearing other DJs influence you, you know, like being able to be in the States at the time when I was younger and hearing uh, Theo Parrish play um, was, you know, like getting the chance to see these amazing DJs really influenced me. Absolutely.
5: Because I, I clearly remember um, your set at CTM in that when you played that Ghost in the Shell track. And yes. um, obviously it blew me away because I'm an anime fan. Right. So I was obviously like, someone is including this into a set. Brilliant, love it. But obviously it's super niche for someone who's into that stuff.
2: Hi, thank you. Um, I have a question maybe following from the first question that was yeah, asked. Sure. Um, and your response to that. Um, so I'm from Singapore. Um, and there's obviously like kind of in Southeast Asia also like a burgeoning scene. A little bit like really identifying with what you said. Um, that you wouldn't have expected something like this to, to emerge.
1: Absolutely. Um, and, I, and I spent eight years of my life in Singapore.
2: Yeah, so I think the question is like now being back in China and also with your own label, etc. And I understand kind of the... Yeah, still kind of being open to to people in Europe, in the U.S. But what do you think? I think in terms of, uh, I use this very loosely in terms of like decentering the West and kind of do you see kind of like more collaborations and more kind of things happening within Asia broadly, uh, and and how do you see that growing a little bit? So with other kind of collectives or other types of uh yeah releases etc like
1: i can't i it's really hard to speak about the future you know like I, maybe i don't have enough imagination because clearly when i was a kid i d- couldn't imagine this being like this now you know um but i could i can say that like um like say 10 years ago it was definitely only clubs that was like emulating what was going on in europe um, but I think uh, since since all started in Shanghai, which was actually very inspired by uh, the, a party in Berlin called Janus, uh, like Total Freedom, and what they were doing, um, th- that really inspired uh, like kind of our our scene in Shanghai, um, and I think they created this kind of like way of how you can incorporate pop culture or your own like thing like uh into club music, you know. Um so yeah, uh it's it's nice to see that there is this this thing going on now that it's not like you know another house techno club that is like expat, you know.
0: Hello.
5: Um Hi. I have a question. Did you ever get bored of the music you play? Yeah, because <laughs> this a thing is like uh it's a different than the people just like listen your music or go to a party because you deal with this every day and it's a part of your work. So how you balance with this work and then also you also enjoy when you yeah, basically place like you're working.
1: Uh, it's almost it's why you never hear me play my own songs. Cause I'm bored with my <laughs> own songs, you know? <laughs> like people get get upset, like why aren't you playing your I mean, I came to see you, why aren't you playing your own tracks? I'm like, I yeah, I'm a little bored of it. Um, and uh, also why I keep, you know, I, that's why I'm not playing the same set I did like, you know, eight years ago. I'm not playing the same techno tracks or, you know. Uh, it's important to keep moving to, to stay interested. Yeah.
0: Thank you so Thank much you. for joining me. And yeah, I, I guess I'll hopefully see you at some events later today. And yeah. uh, good luck on your upcoming shows.
1: Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to Resonant Advisors Exchange with Su Sing. Music for this episode was composed by Joe Johnson. The introductory track was Muscular Theology, taken from Su Sing's album On Pan. If you liked what you heard, please listen to more episodes on SoundCloud at RA-Exchange or look through the Exchange archive on the RA website. Don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe to our channel for more episodes. If you have any ideas for stories you would like to hear on the exchange, please write to us at exchange@ra.co. I would love to hear from you. Until next time, take care.